We're starting off strong, right? We're talking about generational curses and generational sin and, and the communion message. That's, woo, we need to remember Jesus for that for sure. That's, that's amazing. Um, so this morning, if you wanted to turn your Bible over to Romans 12, I'll jokingly call this Romans 12 part one because it's such a, <laughs> such a dense and loaded uh, chapter. There truly is so much in here. And um, I would just challenge you this morning to just try to be accessible to this. I just think that it's, it's a problem that I myself have, and I think we have as a culture and as individuals, that we're not very accessible to a lot of things. I think we've, we're on the track we're on, we're running our race, and we're kind of like, okay, I'm here for this amount of time, and then I got to go to the store, and then we got lunch, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and we're, we're kind of already on that, you know, we're just running it out, we're running it out. And so for this amount of time, let us just I almost want to lead you in a breathing exercise. If I didn't think it would be too distracting, I'd lose you. So, but just try to think that way. Let's be accessible this morning to the message and, and to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in. Um, dear God, thank you so, so much um, for who you are, for what you're doing, for the grace that you have um, so amazingly, so bountifully poured on us, provided for us, uh, made accessible to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way right now and that it would speak, um, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Amen. And I pray that we would be accessible, that we would be able to hear this message and take it with us and really examine ourselves and also examine just the wondrous majesty um, of Jesus, of, of Jesus and his, his gift and the power of, uh, of God and the Holy Spirit. Um, let us be accessible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the title, I always have fun with titles and points and subpoints. And so the title of today's message is Accepting Grace, Walking in Love. I'm going to ask you to take some notes today. If you're a note taker, then today's your wildest dream. Uh, if you're not a note taker, I pray that you would uh, maybe stretch yourself and take some notes on your phone or jot some things down on a receipt or on your husband's hand or whatever, whatever you have accessible, your hand, right? Just um, stick with me. I'm going to just briefly share a quick story. You don't have to raise your hand, but if anyone in this room has ever been a part of a 12-step fellowship, I myself have been a part of a few 12-step fellowships and still am part of a 12-step fellowship. And there's when you're working your first step, what your sponsor will, if he's worth his salt, tell you to do is to read these certain chapters as you're first starting your step work. And what I'll have you do is to read and to underline and to circle things. And sometimes there's a lot of resistance there and people will say, you know, I've already read this. I read it 10 years ago. I read it a month ago. I read it last night. You know, why do I have to read it with you, sponsor? And why do I have to underline and circle things? And I think a lot of it has to do with willingness. And a lot of it has to do with humility. And there's a saying in AA that if you want what we have, you'll do what we, we do. And some people say, well, you'll do what we say. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's you do what we do. And so they have you underline uh, things that you find pertinent or, or meaningful, you relate with, and they have you circle words. And sometimes I'll, I'll be amazed at the words. My sponsor will say, you didn't circle that? You know what that means? I'll say, yeah, I know what that means. And I'll say, tell me what it means. And the story is that it was reprieve one time. So we are granted a daily reprieve from the madness of alcohol. And um, I said, I know what reprieve means. And what does it mean? I said, well, it means, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm reprieved. And he said, look it up. So I had to get out my phone. I looked it up. And I said that a reprieve is a temporary stay of execution, you know? So when I'm reading that, I'm given a daily reprieve. Does it, does it change how you think about it when you see that reprieve means a temporary stay of execution? 
That's huge, right? It totally deepens your understanding and knowledge of what you're reading and then how you apply what you're reading, right? So an aside to say that today I'm going to say I have this underlined or perhaps you should underline this or perhaps you should circle this. And I really want you to try to accept that because I think there, there are things that we can whip right by and say, oh, of course I know that. I've read that. That's true. I know it to be true. But do you really know it? Do we really know it moment by moment and day by day? So we're going to dive right in, and that's just, just a quick uh, aside of kind of the, the heart, like I said, and accessibility I want us to kind of have as we traverse this. Because as Glenn and Trevor and, and others have really helped us get through some deep and meaty chapters, right, 10 and 11, whoa, what is justification? What is salvation? Wow, what does it mean to be predestined? Whoa, that's some deep, meaty things, right? 12 isn't deep in that way. It's kind of like, yeah, I know that. Of course, that's true. Yeah, I want to be a living, living sacrifice. Of course I do. You know, I want to fulfill the law through love. But as we're, as we're doing that, I just want you to know that sometimes the simplest, can you see this in your own life? The simplest things are sometimes the hardest yeah, things, yeah. you know? All right, enough. Now we'll, we'll enter in. Are you with me? Are you ready? All right. So I'm not going to read through the whole chapter. We're going to kind of take this bit by bit together. So we're going to start. Um, we're going to start at the beginning. How does that sound? We're going to start at Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, the last couple of church verses of 11 talk about receiving mercy, right? That was one of the big uh, themes of, of 10 and 11, but specifically 11. Receive mercy. Re receive God's mercy. Receive his grace. So 12, 1 says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's our first circle. Circle, circle that word. Circle sacrifice. You know what sacrifice means, and I know what sacrifice means. Jesus was a sacrifice. We're called to be sacrifices. But when you think about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, that should be a weighty and also a joyful experience in your mind. It means a lot. Have you ever heard the old joke, what's the hardest part of being a living sacrifice? Staying on the altar, right? Mm. Staying on the altar. That's not the worst Bible joke out there. The worst Bible joke is this, ready? <laughs> Who's the shortest man in the Bible? The Get the cane ready. Nehemiah. Oh, God, boo. Boo. Okay. But, <laughs> all right. I, yeah. <laughs> Okay, the hardest part of staying on the altar is being a, being a living sacrifice, is staying on that altar. And if you just think briefly with me back to the Old Testament, sacrifices were a necessary part of worship. It was necessary for redemption, right? It was necessary to have contact and communion with God. And I really want us to wrap our head around the fact that in the Old Testament, good things were destroyed on the altar in order to connect us with God. That's a very simplistic way of saying it, but good things were destroyed. Now, parts of those good things were given to the priests, right, to the Levites, because they didn't have land, they didn't have cattle, and so those things were given to the Levites, and that was special because we saw in that that God provides, you know, through this destruction, God provides for the Levites and that he provides for all of us, right? So that's important to, to realize. In the New Testament, the sacrifice is different. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. And as we present our bodies as living sacrifices and stay on the altar every day, that's the call, our bad things are destroyed on the altar. Okay, So 
He wants us to be on that altar constantly and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You could, you could circle that whole, right? What does holy really mean? Acceptable to God. Wow. In what context? A holy, pure, completely blameless God in our wretched selves. We need to be on that altar, right? We need to burn off the bad things day in, day out, moment in and moment out. When we talk about the bad things to be destroyed on the altar, you might want to just take some notes and ask God, what things do I need to put back on the altar? What things should I focus on right now? Self-reliance, pride, trauma. You've got to burn some of that trauma off. You know, it's hurting you. It's hurting other people. You've got to let it go. You've got to work through it. You've got to get healed. Guilt, temptation, sin. I just want to briefly focus here. Sin needs to be on that altar and that all of our sin. Jesus paid the price on the altar himself for all of our sin. Amen. And we need to honor that by continuing to be on the altar ourselves. And if you heard that, you know, what you, you can plant certain things, but what you water is what grows, right? And so conversely, you know what I mean? What, when we're on that, what, what we put on that altar is going to be what, what gets burned off, what gets mm. refined, yeah. okay? And that's a process that I myself need to submit and resubmit to every day. And I think we all need to really embrace um, just briefly, when you think about Romans, if you had to sum it up in a couple words, if I had to sum it up and it wasn't me, I did some research, right? The three words that scholars most um, regularly use to sum up the entire book of Romans are salvation, justification, and sanctification. So we've talked a lot about salvation and justification. Uh, important issues, weighty things, things we must understand. Sanctification, for whatever reason, I believe is uncomfortable for us as humans and sometimes for us as a movement. I think that culturally and as individuals, it can just be tough to really talk about sanctification and be like, hey, bro, like, what are you doing to get holy this week? What are you doing to purify yourself this week? I don't think it's comfortable. I don't think it's something that we, what people say that money is the most uncomfortable thing, but I don't know, which is, I think it's actually more uncomfortable than that. Because I think if I went to you, it's easier to quantify, right? If I say, hey, are you giving 10%? Are you doing this? Remember, it's about your heart, but are you doing this? It's easier to put that in a box and say, yeah, I'm giving and I'm, I'm trying to be generous. But if someone said to you, what are you doing to really submit to holiness, to really sanctify yourself? Progressive sanctification. How you doing with that? I think that's kind of like, ooh, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, there's certain things that we routinely talk about as far as purity or different things, but we're talking about this right here, verse two. We're, we just, we're just in verse one this whole time. Verse two, we'll get through as much of this as we can, amen. Do not be conformed, circle it, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, circle it, underline it, of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Whew. What is the good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. Man. That's what we want, right? We want what is good and acceptable and perfect. We want to be able to test and discern the will of God. God, where are you leading me in my sanctification? God, where are you leading me in holiness? God, how do you want me to submit to you right now? And I think that I could go off on a tear. We could go to Galatians 5. We could go through and we could say, hey, your TV, your internet, your, your use of this, your use of that. How does this 
are you conformed to this world or are you being transformed by the renewal of your mind? I have lots of opinions. I bet you know things in your heart, even if you're not practicing those things. But what if we just ask God? What if we right here, what if we, by testing, try to discern what is the will of God? Ask God, hey God, should I be watching this? Hey God, should I be spending as much time as I am on the computer or on this app or watching this show and reading this book. I mean, I don't want to get too far into this, but I think you should really just ask God about some things. I've had to ask God about some things recently and someone actually brought me something and I was like, what in the whole world are you talking about? And then I went and talked to all these people and justified how they were crazy and I was, I was right. And then I asked God about it and I was like, you know what? Dag, I just got to take it higher. I straight up got to take it higher. So that story could take us down a rabbit hole. I'll be happy to tell you about it um, afterwards if you want to come to me. But suffice it to say, can we just ask God? <laughs> ask God a little bit so that we can test and discern his perfect will for our lives. Because he actually has a will, by the way. He has a plan for what he wants to accomplish in your life. And maybe that's not driving with the plan that you're running right now. The plays that you're running, are they working? I don't know. Let's ask God. All right, let's go on to, to verse 3. We've done an entire two verses so far. Let's go, let's, go on, let's go on to verse 3. I just wanted to read this quickly, and if you're taking notes, I'll try to read this slow. I think that if, if you wrote this down and you went back and tried to read with this, I think like, I could almost leave after reading this. This is my summation of chapter 12 and what I need to kind of dig into it. So because of God's great mercy, change your mindset. Because of God's great mercy, change your mindset. Accept his grace. That's verse 3. Walk in his grace and live a life of love. Real love. I'll read it one more time. Because of God's great mercy, change your mindset. Accept his grace. Walk in his grace and live a life of love. Real love. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I'll just tell you right now that last part about each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned is an entire sermon. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can dig into that. Well, Charlie, are you, are, is this verse saying that God has given us different levels of faith? Or are you saying that we can grow in our faith? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Do some more research on that. But let's focus on the first part of this, okay? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. Wow. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and... Let's, let's focus in here. And the members do not all have the same function. Hmm. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You belong to me and I belong to you. And I'm not Bob Owens. And, and, and thank God for that. Bob Owens is Bob Owens. And I'm me. Together... Working together, using our combined strength and efforts, we can really accomplish something special. Amen. But if I try to be Bob, I'm just going to be a poor, pale imitation of, of the grace and the mercy yeah. and the gifts that God has given Bob. Yeah. 
But if I'm Charlie and Bob's Bob and we're asking each other the questions we just talked about, hey, what are the definitions to those words that you circled? What does it mean to be pure, Bob? And how are you living that out? What does it mean to be sanctified, Charlie? How are you living that out? If we're doing those things together, being honest, being real, and walking this grace out, then that can be powerful. That can truly be a powerful and a wonderful thing to realize that I belong to him and he belongs to me and we have a responsibility to each other if we are grateful for the gifts of grace that God has given us. If we're grateful for those things, that will produce fruit and action in us in according with God's word, right? Being obedient and walking out that grace in love. That can be a powerful thing if we're not too busy, if we're not too distracted, if we're not doing our plan, right? But if we're discerning and saying, God, tell me what to do here, we might really be surprised at what happens, at how that feels, at how that looks in our lives. Man, exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. It's not supposed to be because we could read this and be like, well, I'm not doing any of these things or I'm not doing this. And some of you are like, hey, I am doing this. And the message is good. More and more for you then. (laughs) More and more. And help your brothers, help your sisters. Help us to focus. Help us to, to really connect on a heart level in obedience because of gratitude. Driven by love, right? Wow. Six. Now we're cooking. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. I just tell you, we can get caught up in this prophecy thing, but I just want to tell you right now, I think we need prophets. I think we need people, even if we're going to use it this way, to speak prophetically to one another what the word says we need some fire in those bellies church we need it and we need you to step up and say hey this is what the word this, thus saith the lord into your life right now you know what i mean challenge me on this you know like whoa that's not very comfortable either but i think we need that and i want to challenge you if, if if you think that's your spiritual gift then you should do some research you should do some reading and you should start walking it out Get, get advice, test the spirit, right? Test the spirit to see what God's perfect will is. But we need some prophets in the church, yeah. church. <laughs> okay? In ser- if service in our serving, I love that. It's not a lot of, it just says, hey, if, if it's service for you, then serve. <laughs> you know? Do that. Just serve. Because you can't be a servant if you don't serve. Servants serve, right? So if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, teachers teach. You know, leaders lead, teachers teach. If you're a teacher, you better be teaching. I don't care if you have the the, the mantle of the office of a teacher. You better teach. Teach in everything you do. Teach. Okay? If it's one who exhorts in his exhortation. Who knows what exhortation means? Well, crowd participation up in here. Bob, what's exhortation? Encourage. Yeah, to encourage, to uplift, right? And that maybe that should be a word you circle. <laughs> circle circle exhortation. If you're supposed to be exhorting, lifting up, encouraging, then do it. The one who contributes in generosity, huh? Be generous. The one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Right there, man, six through eight, that. Whoo! That could be a whole sermon. I think we should really dig in there. I think that what I would do if I were you is maybe circle that whole section and just write, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus, what is my gift? Am I walking my gift out, Jesus? Don't ask yourself, 
if you're walking your gift out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you have a quick no <laughs> or yes or more and more. I don't know what your answer is. Maybe ask yourself just for a baseline, but then please ask Jesus. Ask Jesus about it. Test his will. Let him tell you, you know, and ask other people. Hey, do you think I'm being cheerful when I do this? And release them to be honest. You know, I once heard a preacher sometimes said, shame on you if you feel like, well, not if you feel, she said, shame on you if, if people are not able to bring things to you. You know, if your countenance, your attitude is that the people are intimidated or feel like I brought someone to that brother or sister once and I'll never do it again. You know, I, I learned my lesson. You know, if that's that, then ah, have mercy on us. Yeah. That's not how it should be. We should be an open book. Now, your responsibility as a brother or sister bringing things is to be compassionate and to pray. You can't just bring stuff to people's door and blast them. You know what I mean? That's not right. That's sin. Okay, and I've done that before, and it has cost me, and it has cost people. It's almost cost me relationships. It's traumatized folks. You can't, you know what I mean? You, you have to be careful and intentional about bringing those things. But we should bring them, you know, and we should work that out. And, and I tell you, you know, over the course of years, I've gotten better at bringing things. And I've gotten better at releasing some things. And so, yeah. but how about this? How about we ask Jesus? Amen. Ask Jesus about it. Let's be accessible. Let's ask him. So the one thing I really want to get before I move on, because I think that the bulk from 9 to 21 is so much. And I want to get there before I have to end. But I really want to talk about this grace thing for a minute and the gifts of grace. We just talked about these gifts of grace that God gives us and they're different, right? You have to accept the gift. Do you feel like you're accepting the gifts of grace that God wants to give you and has given you in your life? Mm. I feel like sometimes you'd say yes, right? Of course I am. I feel like sometimes I can be like so closed off. I've got my thing going on. I know what I'm doing or maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm not, my hands aren't open. I'm not accessible. I'm not testing. I'm not asking what the will of God is. I'm just moving. And I'll tell you what, when we talk about this and we talk about the the grace of God, the heading that I would say, and you can write this in your in your little notes, is regift it, regift it. You know, some people are like, I wish they wouldn't regift things. I mean, you give something, just like, hey, you see some of the Yankee swap, like, hey, what the what the heck? I gave that to someone. I I picked up that candle for you, and here it is at the White Elephant Show. Don't regift that, maybe, but regift God's grace. Regift it. But in order, it's just simple, isn't it? In order to re-give something, you have to, come on, receive it. You can't give something away if you don't have it. And if you have a little bit of it, you can give a little bit away. And, you know, we need to understand this. God gives to us so freely. He just wants to pour things out on us. But the amount that goes in us is, is really a lot dependent on us. It, it, it's kind of like, what kind of funnel are we putting up there? Because I think we can really constrict a lot of times and inhibit the Holy Spirit, inhibit God. On, we need to receive his gifts and we need to give them away. Amen. We need to give them away. We need to be prompted by grace to express our gratitude by worshiping him with our lives. That's what a sacrifice is, by the way, is worship. If you circle that word and you actually look it up, the whole point, there's deeper things, right? But the really a huge message of why God had them sacrifice, it was how they worshiped. Yeah. Yes, it was supposed atonement and justification, perpetu right? all these things. 
it's true. But it's our worship. It's how they worship. It's how they connected. And so for us, when we accept this grace and we give it away, that's our spiritual act of worship. When we're standing on the altar or not, that's our spiritual act of worship. And I think seeing that, that like if we're doing it great or conversely, if we're not doing it at all, that's how we're worshiping our God, you know, with our lives and our time and the amount of sacrifice, you know, we talk about these pet sins or these things. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I have pet sins. And it's like, just think about that altar. Ask Jesus. And if these things aren't being burned up and destroyed, then that's not good. <laughs> ask, ask Jesus. So point one was destroy yourself. I don't know if I said that, but that was point one. Destroy yourself on the altar. Point two is re-gift it. So destroy ourselves. Be a living sacrifice, right? The bad things need to be destroyed. We need to accept God's grace. We need to walk in that grace. We need to re-gift it. We need to give it away. And um, point three that we're going to get into right now is be a real Christian. No, really. (laughs) That's my point. Be a real Christian. No, really. And in my, the side notes here um, of my Bible, I have written, the truth will make you a slave. And I don't know when I even wrote that, but, but I wrote that at one point, and I think that could be your subheading if you don't like the heading of be a real Christian. No, really. But the mark here in my Bible, at least, says marks of a true Christian right before verse 9. And after that, it says, love, let love be genuine. Abhor. What does abhor mean? Hate. Hate it. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And I just briefly want to say here, we got to hate what is evil. We got to hate it. And I don't hate it enough. I'm just going to be completely honest. I don't hate it enough. And uh, I don't want to get wrapped up in this. I'm going to do it fast. But briefly, someone came to me a little while ago. I've been, it's been 10 years since I've had a drop of alcohol or a drug, right? By the grace of God, one, one day at a time. But someone came up to me recently and saw me drinking an NA, a non-alcoholic beer. It has 0.5% alcohol. Some of them have 0.0. The one that I was drinking that day had 0.0. But someone came up to me and said, why are you drinking that? And I was like, what do you mean why am I drinking that? Why are you talking to me right now? What are you doing about this? And so I didn't really say that. But we, we talked about it. Long story short, I called my sponsor up and said, this guy, you know, new in recovery, didn't think I should be drinking. This non-alcoholic beer had a beef with it. And I listened to all this, I think he's resentful, I think he's this, I think he's projecting, blah, 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 And my sponsor said, I think you're right. He is doing all those things. I also think he's correct, that you shouldn't be drinking that beer. And I was like, what? So we had this back and forth, and I, he said, hey, furthermore, Charlie, if you've been drinking non-alcoholic beers for four years out of your 10, I think you should reset your sobriety date. And I was like, reset my sobriety date? I think you better check in somewhere. You want to reset my sobriety date? But why, church? Like, why would I fight that? What the heck does a sobriety date mean? It doesn't mean anything if I'm not a pleasing living sacrifice. So we're talking, and I said, I don't know about that. He said, I think you should think about it. And he said, you've been drinking alcoholic beverages for four years. You know, you got to reset. I said, no, I've been drinking non-alcoholic beverages. Haven't you been listening? And he said, it's 0.5, Charlie. That's alcohol. I said, there's more alcohol in your mouthwash, bro. He goes, I don't drink mouthwash for fun, Charlie. And I was like, holy cow. I was convicted. Now, I could have hung up the phone. I could have called whatever. I could have said, you're sick. You know what I mean? Whatever. You're, you know, that's why you go to step study, not a regular AA group, because you're a mess. You know, you need whatever. But I could have said a lot of things. But I said, I'm going to have to pray about that. And I called some people up, and 
Um, <laughs> I called somebody up and I said, what do you got to lose? Go for it, go for it, it's exciting. Go on that adventure. And I thought about it. And all the things I could say about this, you know, in my sin, I'll be like, that knuckleheaded guy, you know, that came to me initially and said, why are you drinking this? The point is that a knucklehead, if that's the term I'm going to use, that wasn't even a month sober, didn't want what I had in sobriety. Got 10 years. He didn't want it. He would not have asked me to be his sponsor. He wouldn't have, you know, there are some things that he he has and will continue to ask me about just because I've been around a little bit. But what I had in sobriety wasn't attractive to him, church. And I think that that was huge. So you know what I did? I walked down to my nearest AA meeting and I got a white chip, which is 24 hours sober, and I started again. You know, I started again. And we have to have the courage to do that. And if we fall again, we start again. You know, I went home after doing that. Woo, victory. And there was a non-alcoholic beer in my fridge. And a week later, I, I drank it. Because it was there, and I didn't have, at that point, I didn't have strong convictions. I was just like, okay, I, I gotta restart this journey, but what does that look like? It was there, I didn't wanna waste it, right? So I drank it. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. Can you relate to that? Or am I the only one? I might be the only one in some, in some ways. But I think you can probably relate to it. And I think the thing we just gotta do is, is one, we can't be proud enough. That's embarrassing to talk about, right? And even the fact that I drank another non-alcoholic beer after I went and reset my date, like, whoa, that's, that's a little kooky, that's a little messy. That's what happened. That's, right. That's my life. And I have to have the courage to go to God and say, I need your grace. I need your courage. I need your strength. I, I want to walk in grace. I want to stay on the altar. I want to walk it out. I want to be defined by a life of love. Amen. And I want these knuckleheads to say, hey, we're, we're knuckleheads together. Me and Charlie. Charlie's not perfect, but he's going after it. Yeah. You know, I can partner with him because he's moving forward. I can follow him as he follows Christ. He's not, he's not perfect, but he wants to be sanctified. Is that what they'd say about you? Is that what they'd say about me? Whew. Let's get together and talk about it. Let's ask Jesus. Let's ask each other. Do we, are, are we for real about this? Come on, bro. Do we want to be sanctified? Yes. Let's do it. Let's walk it out. Let's do the hard things. Let's ask the hard questions. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Wow. I don't think if you talk to people about Christianity, they would say that's what Christianity is. But that's what it's supposed to be, church. Wow. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. You better... You better circle hope, look it up, and then ask Jesus and ask yourself, am I rejoicing in hope? Mm. I'm not. I'm just going to flat out tell you, I'm not, and I need to be. And if somebody texted me this week and asked me about it, I'd be so encouraged. Let's, let's do it. Mm. Wow. Be patient in tribulation. Are you patient in tribulation? I'm not patient in anything. I'm not patient <laughs> in good times. I, I'm not, I mean, ask my wife, my poor, long-suffering wife. If I can't find the keys in five seconds, I'm looking to blame somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who is driving at last? You know what I mean? Why is the gas on empty? I want, someone needs to be punished for those things. And that's like, and that's a beautiful day. You know what I mean? That's an average day in middle America living at, you know, the top 1% in the world. And I'm just looking to burst, you know, with anger, with frustration. How about tribulation? What if I was really suffering? Holy cow. Would I be patient? Surely not. I wouldn't be. And I need to pray to God to, to 
burn that out of my life on the altar, right? What about you, church? Share with me. Share with somebody. Don't let this just be another thing you hear. I'm not special, but God's word is special. And this these, this chapter, these verses, there's so much in here. Pick a piece of meat and chew on it. Our culture is wacky, church. We take, I go to the store and get a thing of highly processed beef jerky, and I eat the whole thing in two minutes. I get turkey jerky now because my wife, right? But that's not what jerky is for. Like, jerky was used on, like, the trail to survive. You'd take, like, one piece, and that would be five hours of your day. You know what I mean? An hour at least. Not four minutes for the whole 32-ounce bag. Or whatever, you know what I mean? But that's what we do. We glut ourselves on things. We glut ourselves as a culture. And we just read these, Romans 12, sounds good. Marks for true Christian. Let love be sincere. I'm going to do it. But you're not doing it. Maybe you are. I don't know. Ask Jesus. Ask Jesus, please. And ask him for me. And then come to me and say, I asked Jesus, and this is what Jesus said about you. Because I need to hear it, church. And if you're laughing, like, amen, it's kind of funny. But shouldn't we be doing that stuff? Shouldn't we? Man. Whew. <laughs> we, we made it to verse 12. <laughs> Rejoice in hope. Please. <laughs> Bless those. Thir- 14. Bless those. No, no, I did do 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and, and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I think we actually do pretty well here. I'm not going to rail on you on this. But more and more, church, more and more, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. This is something we need to grow in. And I think that we curse them and I think we curse each other and I think we do it in slick little ways and I think we go to people and say, really, really trying to love so-and-so. But that's code for they're annoying the snot out of me and I'm going to tell you about it in these slick little ways. How about you just flat pray for them? How about you ask Jesus? And if you go to someone else about it, make sure it's biblical and make sure that you're like, let's, hey, can you pray with me? This day from 12 to 3, I'm just going to pray for this person nonstop. Will you pray with me? Will you fast with me for this person? You don't even have to tell them who it is. You just say, I'm fasting for someone in the church. Can you, can you, I I wrote out six things that I'm going to ask God for in petition, you know, intercession for this person. Can you pray with me? Will you do this with me? Will you look up these eight verses and cover this person with prayer? Who is it? Doesn't matter. God knows who it is. Could you do that for me? Thanks a lot. Ask Jesus. Let's. Let's be sincere. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, right? And those things, gossip is evil, church. Gossip is evil. Haughty eyes are evil. We're going to get there. Uh, Maybe, right? (laughs) Live in harmony with one another. Wait, 15. This is important. Can you circle this or underline this thing? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We really need to hear that. I don't think we do that well enough. I don't do that well enough. And I'm not trying to like, hey, you're really coming at the church today. I love you. And I think you're doing so great. I think that we need to work on this. I don't think that we rejoice properly with those who rejoice sometimes. And sometimes we certainly, if we do that good, we don't weep with those who weep. And I just want to briefly say that this weeping with those who weep, it's like not, we're not patting on the back. 
We're not saying, you know, amen, like they'll be fired up soon or they're just going through something. I don't know what it is. It could be mental illness. It could be drug addiction. It could be um, all sorts of things that our culture really wrestles with. And I could, again, do a whole thing on this. But are we weeping with those who weep? Are we in the struggle with them to the point where we're past empathy and we're connected with them? We're weeping with those who weep, you know? And then we can get into weeping through the loss. There's a whole, there's a whole thing. But really, let's think about that. Rejoice, because and again, this is a mark of a true Christian. So if we're not doing this, that's troubling, right? The mark of a false Christian. Holy cow! We need to be doing these things. I'm the most. I'm the worst of all sinners, church. I'm, I'm convicted here more than anybody else is. But I'm just bringing you what the word says. Live in harmony with one another. Briefly talk to someone that sings about what harmony is. Harmony, living in harmony with one another is not not beefing with people. That's not what that means. I didn't have a fight today. I didn't make a slip comment. I didn't throw somebody shade at church. So we're living in harmony. Not true. Living in harmony, when you harmonize, think about what harmony, go look up best harmony in the world on YouTube and see what happens, what comes up on your screen and say, Wow, that's harmony. That's when someone doesn't know. And if someone's off on the note, then harmony is the other person matching to that. You know what I mean? And, and, dude, I'm not a singer. I'm not a musician. But check out harmony. Circle that. What does harmony really mean? Are we living in harmony with one another? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Wow. I could really spend a lot of time there. I don't have the time. I'm going to try to get through this and get to the conclusion, okay? So (laughs) we're going to run through it. But make some notes there. Ask Jesus about these things. Do not be haughty. I want you to look up what haughty says and then realize that God hates haughtiness. It's one of the seven things he despises, okay? I don't have time for the cross-reference here, but think about that. God hates haughtiness. Ask yourself, am I haughty? Ask people, am I haughty? Ask Jesus, am I haughty, God? I can be haughty. I can have haughty eyes. I'm and, and the worst of sometimes. Sometimes I get off track. I'll be in the supermarket. I just want to tear people up. How dare they do that? How dare they do this? Don't they see my divider here? That's more than 14 items. I can be haughty about the silliest things that don't matter at all. And God hates it. He hates it. He despises it. And if I'm doing it consistently, it says here that I'm not a true Christian. I'm not living out in the fullness what God wants from me. I need to accept his grace more. I need to get back on the altar and say, this isn't acceptable in my life. Not to beat myself up or I don't want anyone to leave me here today saying, oh, he, he doesn't understand the, the grace that covers us. I do. And I'm not saying that we ha- can earn our salvation or that, or that we have to be perfect on, in bro. order yeah. to accept the grace. That's not what I'm saying. We, we had a long talk last time about what grace is and what mercy is, right? And if you forgot or you weren't here, grace Grace is getting the good things that we don't deserve from God. And mercy is not getting the wrath that we do deserve from God, right? And so I'm not, test me, I'm theologically sound. I'm not saying that you have to earn your salvation or that we have to have works. But I'm saying that if we know his grace fully and we seek to know it more, we will be prompted to be more sanctified. We will look at ourselves in the mirror and say, and sometimes it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. If I'm going to do this correctly, some of y'all are going to be getting some phone calls. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I need help. I need help with this. I need accountability. I need love. I need nurturing. I need a book to read with me. Will you read this book with me? Will you ask me today if I was mean to my wife? You know, keep it simple, church. 
Pick one thing and say, I'm not going to be snappy with my wife this whole week because if I am, I'm probably not living out grace the way I need to. Or I'm not going to gossip about this coworker. Or I'm going to, you know, I don't care. I don't know. I do care. But, you know, like, pick, pick something. Ask Jesus. Pick something. Do it. Talk to somebody else about it. Man, never be wise in your own sight. Woo! Underline it. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. This is like contrary to our entire culture, isn't it? Our whole culture is like, get yours, be right, call Joe Bornstein, like, do it. You know, that's like our whole, what do you hundred call Joe? Like, get yours. That's our whole culture. It's like, be justified, be right, find the facts, yeah. fact check them. That's like, I grew up in that culture of like, fact check them, fact check them. And like, you know, people would just make fun of people by putting, here's what they said. Here's all the ways they were wrong. You know what I mean? Like, if someone's wrong theologically, if you have a, a theological you know, question about what anything I've said, that's yes, bring it to me. Fact check that. Do it in love. You know, ask Jesus, right? But we shouldn't just be finding fault all the time, and we shouldn't be seeking to avenge ourselves. Because if we are, we're not doing what it says we should be doing as a true Christian. But we're also robbing God of His place. That's God's place, Church. Yeah. Yeah. That's His sovereign place. Amen. That's his will. That's, that's his lane. Get out of his lane. Get in your lane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And that's a fringe benefit, but that's not why we do it, right? <laughs> do not be overcome by evil, church, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, church, but overcome evil by good. We got like, you got four more minutes for me, church? We're just going to wrap this thing up tight, but I just love you so much. I love God's word. I feel invigorated right now, and I feel like, like I want to do better, you know? And I want to do better because he is the best, you know? And that's what should motivate us. If you ever thought to yourself, I got to be an example to my kids, you ever thought about that? or I want to be a better example to my neighbor, or I want to be an example to my neighbor, you are an example one way or the other, you know? And I just want to like, as we, as we think about this, just let's tie that to the over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're an example one way or the other. We're broadcasting something for good or for bad all the time. Yeah. And that's not to like, whoa, I feel so overwhelmed. Don't feel overwhelmed, but just know that that's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. That's why we have to be constantly plugged in. And the cool thing is that, I mean, we can just be shining it out. We can be radiating joy. And when we're weak, we can say, that's even better almost. It's like, like, hey, like, I don't have it right now, but I got to go to God or, you know, I got to pray. And we can really show and have an amazing ministry that way by, by letting our love be genuine, by loving deeply and going back to him. In conclusion, I just wanted to read you a couple things I wrote here. I think surmise some of this. In view of God's mercy, destroy yourself. Stay on the altar. Be a living sacrifice. Regift it. Accept, truly accept, and then walk in. Then give away the grace that God has given you. I'm just going to read that again. Accept, truly accept, and then walk in, and then give away the grace God has given you. Be a real Christian. Let love be genuine. Love deeply. Let God's truth and love and grace make you a joyful and obedient slave. 
That's what it's about, church. We have to die to live. We have to be a slave to his righteousness. Let's do that. Let's outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. Let's not be slothful in zeal. Let's be fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Let our love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Because of God's great mercy, change your mindset. Accept his grace. Walk in his grace. And live a life of love. Real love. Thank you, church. Amen.